0: Ladies and gentlemen, I'm still on Cloud Nine down here in Houston. I'm still repping, obviously, the Astros, the World Series Championship. I know it's annoying. Maybe this is gonna be my last time to do it. Alan, I apologize. Um, but hey, it's it's the least I can do.
1: I Okay, I'm good with it. So, you know. I, I'm for me, I'm more happy for Mattress Smack than I am. You know that furniture salesman. Yeah, the furniture salesman. The little known and the fact that we beat a team from Pennsylvania. You know, I'm thinking of changing the name to pencil Neckia, Cause you know, bunch of pencil
0: necks. So we had, um, you remember we had the, uh, Joel Berry from the Babylon B on, uh, last season or two seasons ago. And, Babylon B, when during the race between Fetterman and Oz, (laughs) you know how they put up their stupid memes? And they're like, the race race between Oz and Fetterman is neck and neck and neck.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I saw that.
0: So good, man. So good. Um, Well, hey, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've got an like, if you look, even if you don't like comic books, which is like. The world apparently is just drawn to comic books and comics in general because with Marvel and DC and everything, the Marvel verse and all that jazz. And
1: I, what do you got? You, yeah, The Walking Dead, right? I got The Walking Dead right here. I have all four compendiums. Um, and I actually, I have the first edition of The Walking Dead somewhere. I don't know where I put it. But uh, yeah, I've got like all these compendiums. And um, yeah, you know, it's. it's the 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 TV show was really was really good the first few seasons i think maybe the first 5 or 6 and then it just kind of went downhill from there if you, if you if you look at let's say the first 3 seasons you will see a huge difference between how those stories were portrayed versus uh the more recent ones which i i just stopped watching after season 10 i watched a few of season 11 which was their last season but i just stopped i don't even
0: know how that doesn't even make sense to me i stopped in like season three or four how could you go and stop at season 10 when their last season is season 11 why not just write it out even if you don't like it anymore you're so invested
1: part of it is that uh, i i cut cable tv so i don't have amc and because i don't have amc i have to purchase amc plus Plus in order to see you know that that's that's a big reason and you know i did uh, i did have amc plus for a little bit uh watched, like i said i watched the first eight episodes i think and <sighs> week i just nah can't i just so i haven't watched the rest and i think their last episode is uh sunday so
0: the walking dead could have your time just not your money like i i get it like they can't have both, especially if it's a a series that now sucks. Like it, like I I just lost interest, and it was one of the coolest shows I had ever seen. Um, well,
1: okay, like uh, Kathleen, I think her name is Kathleen Kennedy, who's one of the producers. Uh, she has driven the show into the ground, uh, and I she's involved in the Star Wars movies. And You know, Star Wars and the and the Walking Dead have been two of my favorite uh, franchises, and. And Kathleen Kennedy has single-handedly destroyed both of them, in my opinion. Uh, well, not... Okay, let me take that back. Not maybe single-handedly, but she was had a major effort. She had a hand. Uh, she had a single hand in Scott it. Got gimbal and some others, but, yeah, they, they had a lot to do with it.
0: Yeah, it's, it is a shame um, how many of our institutions are, you know, long-time traditional, you know forms of entertainment have just been
1: destroyed yeah if you if you look at um if you go to youtube and you watch where they critique and they talk about the wokeness of some of these um uh, movies and franchises on the star wars one if you saw the original star wars that came out in 77 it was called star wars it wasn't called new hope um when they attacked the death star um, And you looked at all the commanders. Yeah, there was Princess Leia, but she was the only female there. Everybody else was, uh, everybody, it was all men. But you got to remember, it's a military operation. Military operators are going to be men. Now, if you looked at, uh, was it the Star Wars Episode eight? There was a scene where they showed everyone in the operations room, and they were all women. That's not realistic. I'm sorry. I don't care how sexist that sounds. It's a military operation. So then I looked I was watching The Walking Dead. Um and I, I I if I remember this was season eleven where all these women went down into like a an abandoned military base and there was nothing but but uh you know dead zombies. The whole area. They were they went in there to go get some food. Well, the problem is is that the men stayed up in like the top and they were uh, helping the women get down, but the women were endangered. They're the ones who were endangering themselves, they were the ones that were in harm's way. In real life, I'm sorry, but a man's instinct is to protect the woman. Again, I know this sounds sexist, but that's realistic. Men are the ones that go into the dangerous, harmful areas to conduct operations. But but they themselves stated that they did that because they wanted to show girl power, but it's not realistic. I'm sorry, men are the protectors they're going they're not going to let women go into harm's way. They're the ones that are going to go in there to protect the men to t- yeah, don't get, don't get me started. That's just uh if only
0: if only the the feminist movement of today had taken place in the early uh 20th century, the whole the whole survivor ratio would have been very different on the Titanic.
1: Very different. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, can you imagine if it was like uh no, no, we can't have uh Sorry. You know, cuz they did women and children first. Okay? that that's how it was although there was a funny meme where one guy goes but i'm trans (laughs) (laughs) that guy was holding that girl i forgot the 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 bad guy the one that was engaged to uh billy zane yeah billy zane he's holding the child and he's like but i'm trans (laughs) come on come on now
0: uh, ladies and gentlemen if you are watching uh do us a favor and subscribe to our youtube channel uh, and if you are just listening on the podcast, well, subscribe as well. That is, it'd be a huge favor to us. Uh, and also Apple, if you're listening on Apple, do us a favor, leave us a rating and review, tell your friends and family and say, hey, uh, give Alan and Dustin an early Christmas present and just go ahead and tap five stars and subscribe. You don't even have to listen, just subscribe. You don't have to listen. Anyways, all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and on our website, thesonsofhistory.com, and you can check out some of our gear, which I'm actually gonna be creating. I'm actually in the process of creating more t shirts. Um the, the theme is politics is a joke, and I think you guys will I think you'll like it.
1: I think you'll like the t shirts that are gonna come out of it. Uh, speaking hey, how do you how do you like my uh, how do you like my Second Amendment t shirt? You know, this is uh, this is what I wore for Halloween. I told you I I went as uh, toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah. I scared a lot of the uh, leftists. I mean, they were like cowering in fear. Well, that's what. Hey, that's what you want for Halloween. You want to scare people. That's the whole sure. idea. Um, well, I had my cowboy hat, but I couldn't walk into the bar uh, with my sidearm. So
0: yeah, that's a tough one. Um, well, yeah. I know we had we had mentioned comic books. Uh, we had mentioned comics. And we talked about The Walking Dead and the demise thereof, uh, just from it being a good show. One of the best shows on television. Um, and now we see the demise of Marvel and DC as far as just, like, how good this stuff is. Like, it's just not. We've got a guy on the show who is who has created his own uh, comic book. His name is Eric D. July. I've been a fan for quite some time. This is before um, he he brought out the Ripperverse comics. So he was always talking about comics and comic books uh, and what was going on in, in in Marvel and DC. His complaints, I mean, they just fit in line with my complaints and your complaints, Alan, I know. So we've got we've got him on the show. He's gonna be the guest on our show, but along with that, um, he's right up the road from us. We're in Houston. He's right up 45 in Dallas. Uh, poor guy being in Dallas. It's it's unfortunate, but w- what can you do? It's bad enough that... Uh, yeah, I
1: think they have a better football team than us. As much You know, I see people criticizing the Cowboys, but it's like they did win a few Super Bowls.
0: Yeah, I mean, anybody who's... Critici- hopefully nobody in Houston's criticizing the Cowboys because we are garbage town. Um, just terrible. But anyways... His YouTube channel is at Young fifty nine. That's Young Ripa I P P A um, R I P P A fifty nine. Also, he's the lead vocalist for Backwards, so it's backwards but with a Z at the end. So it's a it's a metal band, but with really smart, intelligent, libertarian based lyrics. So if you don't like metal, like hardcore metal. Um, you can just sit down and read the lyrics and become enlightened. It's really good stuff. And if you like metal, then you're going to love his band. Uh, he's the creator of, like I said, uh, the Ripperverse Comics, and their very first, his very first comic has come out, I saw him, and look, two rave reviews, and like he had a bar set and... and for me, it was pretty cool to watch him like present and say, look, this is where we are. We're about to release this. And then all of a sudden his expectations getting blown out the window. It's an incredible story. The maggot the, the comic book has taken off and we're gonna talk to him. Uh just really honored and it's gonna be a great conversation. So we've got Eric on the line. Eric, how are you doing, man?
2: I'm doing good, brother, and I appreciate you having me.
0: Hey, like I like I said um, off the air, big fan. Been uh, been following you for probably a couple of years now, and I myself am really excited about what you're doing um, across the board. But we're gonna be primarily be talking about your new product, your first edition magi- uh comic book. Isom, look, man, this thing has taken off extravagantly um, and we were sort of talking about that like you had a bar set that you wanted to hit and it has exceeded that I'll let you take it from there like where was the bar set for you and then what is the response
2: been? Yeah so we initially you know we set like an actual pre-order campaign goal of a hundred thousand though I had spent double that over double that to actually launch the project. So everything included from, you know, the base stuff with my lawyers dealing with them and getting the artwork done and and printing and all of that. And I would have been perfectly fine with me making that 100000 You know, it's a new comic book company. We're kind of just launching, filling out the market, all of that. But yeah, we obliterated that within like the first half hour or so. And obviously uh, within 30 hours, I believe, was the exact time we had hit a million. Um, I look. If you'd, have, I thought about this many different ways, and even considering that this could have went perfect, absolutely perfectly. I never assumed that we will make three point seven million. Um, I'd never accounted for that. So that's where it ended up. But I didn't anticipate that I'd be lying. I figured we'd be somewhat successful, but to do something like that to that degree was uh, is really unprecedented. Certainly, uh, as an up and comer. And it really just goes to show how much of a demand it certainly was for, for the project. So
0: as we all know, like success stories that that, like successes are not overnight. So you obviously have been a fan of, of comic books, like, like, like most kids growing up, we loved either reading the comic books or watching cartoons about like either Marvel DC guys. Um, so where does, where does all of this start from? Does it start as a kid and then you start just moving up and being interested in possibly creating, how did it, how did it start off?
2: Yeah. So I just happened to be a kid during the time when I would say comic book media was at its apex and growing up in the nineties where you had, of course, Batman, the animated series. I know Kevin Conroy, just passed away. Uh, So rest in peace to him. But you know, you had that, you had what else? Um, you know x-men the animated series that all came out relatively when i was young and like watching fox kids and and all of that so we were really getting some good cartoons that were based on comic book media but you know my first like introduction to actual a physical comic was of course by my mother and it was a flash comic and wally was our flash uh during that time and I just thought it was the coolest thing the, you know, in the world that there was this character whose power was to just run really fast. And I was a, a big time athlete as a youngster. And certainly, but I took that all the way up through the collegiate level and being a sp- literal sprinter. And, you know, that was my kind of level of connection with that character. But of course, that introduced me to an entirely, uh, uh, you know, different kind of world. And as I age, you know, you start to get the capital to be able to purchase this stuff right to go get comics whenever you want to old and new and i had aspirations to of course write but you know considering the market i didn't think this was something that i was going to be able to do at this young age right i thought there was something like maybe when i'm when i'm older maybe in my 40s and all that i'd be able to maybe do something and of course i think everybody had maybe a dream to write for marvel or write for dc uh, that certainly is not on my list anymore uh, and, and you know, I crossed that off the list, but you know, just the demand was there. Everything was perfect. Everything was, was, it was the perfect time to do it. And I said, why not? And of course the audience responded in the way that, uh, they did, but, you know, certainly to answer that question, my mother introduced me to those, um, those books, but you know, comic book media car animated, uh, American animated media was just really at its apex during that time. And I just happened to be a youngster, uh, consuming all of that.
1: Having seen uh, the success of The Walking Dead, um, do you see possible
2: uh, TV show anything like that? Yeah, like that shows you that it's certainly possible to exist, like and do something that's very uh, successful and based on comic book media that's not attached to Marvel or DC. Um, and you know, you even see that with like the Boys and and stuff like that. There's a there's a lot of that kind of going on these days, and. And Yeah, it, it's a reality um, that I have to kind of it's kind of weird to sit up here and think that think that type of way, you know, definitely dealing with my team and we're having these conversations about, you know, how does this look on the next kind of a year? What is our next year plan? You know, quarterly goals and to even consider that, which is what we are like live action and animated versions of our of our comic books is is quite something. And, you know, it's a great opportunity for me as well. And this is why it's so fulfilling. Definitely people that are very familiar with my content, you know, how much, you know, issues that I had with live action depictions of certain characters and all of that. And, you know, this is kind of my opportunity to just simply not do what they did in terms of the mistakes that I felt they made definitely with it being my own brand, like, you know, really honoring source material and all that sort of stuff. So for me, it's um I'm willing to entertain anything that makes sense financially, because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we're making money. Um, you know keeping keeping operations afloat um, I, I'll entertain anything if it certainly makes sense but even to this day it's still we I'm still kind of getting used to even thinking that large. So
0: you're a libertarian so obviously you're pretty economically sound um so you had an expectation of maybe breaking even somewhere in there and you go three and a half million dollars over your expectation. So obviously when you make that much money, you have, okay, if I do this, I would like for my next step to possibly be this. But when that type of capital comes in, how do you keep from wanting to do too much too fast and then burn out your entire brand?
2: Yeah. You have to keep your um, expectations tame and it's not, it's a, it's a, quite the difficult thing to do and this is something I've been very conscious of and I think I've had a lot of help along the way and just my experiences in business uh, over the last decade definitely with doing art like with my band and all of that and kind of being able to gauge and understand markets you know um, I planned for even just keeping my keeping the lights on you know we got a big new warehouse that we're going to be in a headquarters that we're going to move be moving into um, but you know I, I put that money aside in a in a in an account and say, I don't touch it. You know what I mean? Like that money just doesn't get touched. So I at least know, no matter what happens, we know that operations are going to be good for the next, next year. You know what I mean? And that's the type of attitude that you have to have. It's funny. People joke. We joke about this certainly on my channel all the time about how, you know, I'm not going around buying Lamborghinis or anything like that with this money. This is all money that has to get reinvested. And I'm very conscious uh, and very aware Uh, That, you know, if I want the money to go as far as it as I want it to go, then I have to be realistic with my expectations and and be very, very careful not to, you know, to your point, overspend or bite off more than we can chew uh, and doing things of that nature. So, you know, even like through this first campaign, you know, I was there every day. I haven't been putting out content, but I was there at at the warehouse myself, the actual owner of the company, alongside my employees, packing them packing the hell out of the orders and this is something that you know i of course want to do but you know it's saving money and all that it, it it has to be sort of this expectation because i've seen it all too much all too often certainly in the music industry of people getting that initial big success right and then blowing the money on something nonsensical or simply just having uh, uh like just untamed expectations
1: so uh, uh Dr. Thomas Sowell was an influence uh, on your life from my understanding, and um, funny because I'm reading one of his books right now, and i i I really enjoy what he has to say, and he and he's a huge influence on me. so what kind of influence do him and some others um, in in how do they are they reflected in your comic book or just in your
2: you know what what kind of influence does it have on your work? Well, I mean, definitely when you consider economics and what it is, you know, the great, you know, Mises talks about being basically the study of human action and looking at it like that. So you can make the argument that everything that i picked up from people that I've, um, you know, certainly read and appreciated, I'm living it in some kind of way, uh, directly and indirectly. But obviously, Thomas Sowell, to your point, uh, is arguably my biggest influence. One of, i would put two up there, uh, rest in peace, Dr. Walter E. Williams, um, as well, uh, both of those guys were huge influences, uh, certainly on me and uh, getting out of sort of this mindset of economic leftism, you know what I mean? And, you know, reading books that, like Thomas Sowell's uh, Basic Economics, which is, you know, certainly a huge influence uh, on me and breaking economics down for the common person, certainly to understand was was absolutely massive and you know we have little easter eggs some people have picked up on it in, even in ISOM, uh with kind of my upbringing and my influence and all of that but absolutely like there's no way something like that can't sort of show itself uh but definitely when you consider what economics actually is it's really impossible you know to to not uh at least show in some way, shape, or form, or what it is that you're doing, what you uh, particularly learned. So those guys started me down that rabbit hole of, you know, definitely starting with soil and learning about Chicago economics and Milton Friedman and all that, and then that led me to wanting to know more about other schools of thought. And of course, I went Austrian. I learned about more of the Austrian schools. So you know, going towards that and Mises, and then going full Rothbard. There was no turning around. Certainly after that. Uh, but they sent me down that rabbit hole by simply making me think. So I owe a lot to those guys. And thankfully I got to tell Walter E. Williams that myself, uh, before he had passed. And, you know, I was in the Thomas Sowell documentary, uh, talking about what he had certainly meant to me. And that's really um, all I can all I can dream of. to let those guys know certainly what they what they meant to me and how they impacted my life. So you met those two gentlemen? I haven't met soul. Um, and I need to do that. I need to make sure that, that I do that. Um, but I did get to meet Dr. Walter Williams. He was out here in Dallas at uh, SMU, uh, oh. one time, uh, speaking and, uh, the SMU crew knew. And it's funny. Cause I, I had no relationship with that, that school, uh, whatever business school that was putting it on. And they reached out to me knowing how much he meant saying, Hey, he's going to be here. You should come. Uh, And I did. And, you know, surprisingly, he knew who I was. Uh, and I got to, again, just tell him, took a picture with him and all that, but just had a conversation with him to let him know certainly how much he meant was, was huge. I haven't got to meet Soul yet, though.
1: Because well, I, I, you know, the first time I heard of Dr. Walter Williams, I was listening to uh, Rush Limbaugh, and uh, there he was. And he said some really ballsy things about, like, the relations between him and his wife and i was like going man nobody talks like that anymore and it was and then i i read up uh i read up about him and his uh, economic thinking and um yeah I, I was quite impressed with him also uh, I've, I've never read any of his works but uh like i said uh dr thomas Sowell, uh, i think i i've stated that he he and dr jordan peterson are the two most brilliant men in north america right now
2: oh man you have to put a soul up there that's for sure yeah Absolutely. Um, and
0: coming in at number three, Eric D. July. Uh, so,
2: <laughs> giving me way too much credit there.
0: <laughs> uh, so, all right. I, saw your, your first edition has come out. And in the, like the opening pages, you write for all of the people who have watched their favorite franchises be hijacked. And man, have we seen that get done like constantly one, I, people are like, oh, are you going to go see the new Marvel movie or the new DC movie? And I'm like, look, man, they've oversaturated the market for me. Like, I can't do it. Like, it's too many. Like, I'll watch one every once in a while, but it's just, an they're inundating the market with it. And look, if the demand's there, okay, meet the demand. But you're correct. They, these franchises have been hijacked and they've been hijacked by a leftist, agenda and it's very like they don't even hide it at all and if they think that they're hiding it they don't know what hiding means mm-hmm. um but you brought up the music analogy or music in general and you know i had a i've i had i have a cousin who had who had done very well uh musically was gonna sign with or had signed with sony and atlantic and everything but they had come to sort of like a dis- disagreement there. But he sort of had an inside viewpoint on the music industry, like the major music industry. And it was the lawyers, like the corporate takeover of music. And it's the lawyers and corporatists who are saying, this is the music that you're going to make. This is what people will want to hear, even whether it's true or not. And I think that that's why, in general, music sucks. Yeah. Like, it's bad. Like, the music is bad. And people are like, do you listen to country? And, like, country from when? Like, what country music? Like, nothing of the past, like, number of decades. No. And so, you have it to where corporatists have have now taken the art out of the art. And comics is the same thing. How has this sort of degradation of art, art and comics and music and movies sort of opened up a door for you and other creatives to step in and fill that void.
2: I'm not I'm not oblivious at all to the fact that I owe a lot of my career in multiple avenues to the people that do stupid things upon what you're talk upon what you're talking about. That has just turned off their customers, their listeners, the audience, the watchers, all of that. Because I did it with my band backwards, the same thing. It was like, hey, this middle core is dominated by a bunch of leftists, right? How about I just make metal core, metal, hardcore music that is that, you know, but I'm not a deranged leftist that hate despises his uh his customer. Mm-hmm. And we saw a lot of success because we stuck out like a sore thumb because we were unapologetically who we are. Now with ISOM, it was it, it was even it was even simpler than that. Because it was more like to your point, you know, you watch these brands that have been just straight up hijacked by a bunch of people who cannot set aside their individual political beliefs. And that was the big difference. Right. Uh, Stanley had talked about this and how. You know, you had these people that were certainly working for these companies that were of different ilks, right? Different, different backgrounds, religions, you know, and all of that and didn't really get in the way of what it is they're doing. Well, it's the complete opposite now, because now they feel like they have to beat their audience over the head, certainly with it. And and basically a- actively leftists have the monopoly uh, on that sort of material. So that's the only uh, it's less you know we say keep politics out more what it is and i think people's frustration is more accurately putting is the lack of balance right so you'll see leftist pop political angles be presented as a positive light in this media and of course the, the the people that are maybe to the contrary of that are always seen as the villains of the story that's just how it is right so uh trump comes along he's Modoc right literally they made him Modoc the actual villain in a in a marvel comic book which to me was insane uh that they actually even did that and went that route but that's what it is barack obama he's on the cover of uh uh, amazing spider-man right cheese and smiling hey it's a good good time we're gonna present him in a good light so the lack of balance is what really threw everything off and all i simply said was look i'm not going to do that right i'm not gonna be my audience over the head at that i'm just gonna make good material uh work very hard uh, to present this in the best way that I possibly can. And really, that's all people want out of this medium. It had just gotten so bad with uh, with comic books. And I know it's happened in other, in other mediums, but certainly with comic books, it had gotten so bad where people are just thirsty for something else. Um, and they don't want to have to go to the latest movie or read the latest book and they kind of holding their nose through it, knowing that it's kind of trash, but hey, it's this character you grew up on uh, or what have you. We're presenting something new uh, and it's familiar. It's not I'm not necessarily trying to reinvent the wheel here. Uh, it has that level of familiarity, but I'm simply not doing what what the people that have hijacked these companies are.
0: So you've taken um, economics over politics while big corporate comic book Marvel DC and others have taken politics over economics. And we, we discussed like that sort of opens up a door for you. Because they are not creating for the customer. Um, they are creating to influence the customer. And the customer doesn't want to be influenced, they just want something good. Um, and from my perspective, it's sort of short sighted economics to where you have, let's just say, a Superman, right? You have Superman, and we grew up with Superman. My parents grew up with Superman. Um, if my grandparents were still alive, they probably had some experience with Superman. You take a name and then you present it and you throw it out there. You know that the return is going to be there. Mm -hmm. And I think over the past five to 10 years, it has gotten progressively worse, like so bad that now you're taking it to where, okay, you can present the name. But we don't want to watch it because we know that that's not a true rendition of what Superman is. So we're not going to view it. They've taken the rush of the immediate financial return, but now they have nothing. They've sort of destroyed the long-term projections, like the long-term economic return. So you have taken customers over your peers. Talk about how other professional comic book writers and creators have, have come after you and you've made it known. Like you don't give a crap. Like you're doing it for one particular people, um, your customers. And that's why you're going to do well. Like explain like sort of the backlash and what you've had to deal with.
2: Yeah. We've obviously had people that are actual uh, folks that are in the, in the industry, be it in the comic book, um, like access media guys, as well as actual artists, um and writers that have taken publicly issues with me they don't even know what they're really mad at but they they're told i guess that i'm a bad person or something something and they go on and they knock it uh but certainly even with the approach of how we did it right um you had so many folks that were telling me or had been telling me you shouldn't have did it this way you shouldn't have charged this amount of money didn't do this and do that and I've seen this, this idea with, with, I mean, this is the reality. I know this isn't necessarily controversial, but it's going to make a lot of folks mad is that most artists are economically illiterate. Like, I'm just going to be completely honest with you. This is often why they jump into some of these just terrible contracts and deals, definitely in music and all that, but comics, the same way that you have this whole stupid kind of uh, starving artist kind of thing that they go through where they actually, they insist you have to be broke. I reject that. That is completely nonsensical, um, but they don't—they're not actually sound. And they don't really un- understand the business side. That was the advantage that I had over a lot of these guys. That not only am I—I cre- I have the creative mind. I'm also sound in terms of uh, the, the business approach. But you know, they certainly didn't like the way that I was doing, even just the pricing and how we did did things. And I—I've—I've I've been giving advice, giving advice certainly to other people who had aspirations to kind of do something similar definitely being independent in this market. And I talk all the time about, look, if you are making material for your peers, you're probably making a mistake because your peers are not your customers. Oftentimes your peers see things through a lens that, you can't even uh, or, or, or through a lens that is completely different from the customers. So I made it abundantly clear that I didn't care. So if, if even if they're going to critique my stuff, you have these tryhards that are going to critique things down to the panel. Uh, 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 And that's fine. I'm not saying that all criticism is illegitimate. What I am saying is that often what that what that person who is my peer, per se, cares about the regular customer does not. So a lot of folks have unfortunately fell victim. I see, you see this with a lot of mainstream guys, but even those you know, guys that are more of the underground where they're making the mistakes of trying to impress or write for their pe- to impress their peers, to get admiration, to get uh, pats on the backs by their peers. And they often end up broke because of it, because the customers don't care about what your peers uh, care about. you. It, it is a talent in itself to be able to separate the two um, and, and so many artists in, in many different genres have, have made this mistake of trying to do uh, things to impress their, whether it be ideologically, whether it be even from the actual art itself to impress their peers. And that's not uh, sometimes oftentimes I'd say it's not what the customers care about. So definitely if you want to do this, and you want to make a living off of it. Yeah, I'm going to take my customers over my peers nine times out of nine. You know, I was.
1: um I was watching some documentary about some of the movies that have been coming out. Um, well, first of all, Top Gun, the latest Top Gun, was not a woke movie, and it just shattered box office records. And then you had uh, some Chris Pratt movies like The Terminal List and The Tomorrow Wars uh, that surely did not look uh, PC to me in any way. And then two franchises that I really loved at the beginning, Star Wars and The Walking Dead started off strong but the latest Star Wars movies sucked and the last couple of seasons of the walking dead has sucked so i don't understand why these executives are still trying to push this this leftist agenda when the people are ab- are absolutely starving for something that's more realistic that's not that's not pc i mean i mean what do they say anything these people who complain to you do they i mean how can they defend what they're what they're espousing.
2: Well, I think this is where I think so many people within these, uh, definitely leftists in general, uh, they've, they've long infiltrated the arts, but what happened is, and I think definitely in the, you know, when you look at the mid 2010s up to now is that a lot of people in powerful positions with control of these entertainment entities or whatever, had been convinced by people that probably had no business in their positions (laughs) that this was the market, right? This was the way of the future and you got to get in now. So you saw that, that, that drastic shift uh, then where, you know, basically actors and actresses, the mystique of Hollywood is completely gone. They have no problem telling you how much they don't like you. Uh, Definitely. If you have voting habits, that's different from them um executives have gone we've seen what disney's done as well as other companies have gone basically aligned themselves with with people that are just outright leftists and it's i think they were just simply convinced that this was the way and to be fair short term that worked right because they had control of franchises that people knew and loved so you could put out a dud of star wars but it's star wars one of the biggest franchises to ever exist So people are always going to give it the benefit of the doubt or so they thought will give it at least some sort of level of interest to go reach into their pockets and pay for it. And now you've seen definitely in the last I would say certainly a couple of years, but certainly over this last year where a lot of those franchises, which they just couldn't miss, even if it was a bad movie, they were going to make make the top dollar and have uh, have some some level of interest. That's not the case for a lot of these, these things. When you look at even like their previous story, you know, movies that are barely making money, um, you know, they make make their, they may make their budget as far as what they spend on, on the movie and marketing, but it's like barely breaking even. And some have even lost money. We've seen Marvel films that are like Eternals. Like these, these, there's, there's films that have actually lost money, which should never happen under a Marvel pro- property. Uh solo I believe same thing it's lost money like these are the star wars that that should never happen But it's happened because people have said look I love what you have But it's not because of you and if you are going to spit in my face as a customer. I will simply not spend money uh, On that project now, my opinion is that this hasn't happened fast enough I think a lot of people need to detach themselves uh, from this but, you know, you're seeing that they're really starting to feel those economic consequences of really catering to a demographic that simply wasn't there. They Or rather, they overstated it. Maybe they got confused by certain elements of social media, that this was what people want to hear. This is who uh, or, you know, what people want to want to see. And then you find out, well, that demographic you're catering to is either broke or it doesn't exist. And they're not really spending money, uh, certainly on your product. So I think they just got a lot of bad information. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see if they keep committing to this or if they, if they pivot uh, and definitely as a lot of folks like myself have taken upon themselves to be the alternative and have saw some economic success, success because of it, it's going to be interesting to see where these companies go. So speaking of wondering
0: where the companies go and the the whole kowtowing and it, like, Eventually, people have got to (laughs) sort of just get annoyed enough to like, look, enough with calling me names. Just because I don't agree with you doesn't mean I'm a sexist, racist, bigot, homophobe, Islamophobe, xenophobe, like enough. Like those, those are no longer, those don't mean anything anymore because you've taken the the definition of those words and, and now they don't mean what they, what they used to mean. And you still have uh, major corporations that sort of that kowtow. Who knows if they are going to eventually just say, okay, enough with that. We made a mistake over the past few years and now, or maybe they're too entrenched. Like the people that are on the left are now entrenched in the power positions to where now we're going to be riding this boat until it sinks to the bottom of the ocean, you know? one of those corporations affected you personally which would be paypal tell us about tell us about that whole fiasco
2: oh man so <clears throat> obviously with the riververse um seeing the success that it had uh we had a meteoric kind of rise right large influx of money and one of our processors which the only reason I was using PayPal a lot of international customers recommended it that's what they wanted to use I wanted to accommodate them and so you know we hit the million or so mark uh, and you know go or rather getting getting close to that mark and PayPal decided to put a, a hold on the on like the the uh, the money so meaning that they were going to still probably be a processor but they weren't going to give me access to the funds. So initially, because of the influx, though, this didn't like this wasn't like, like July rebel LC didn't start in July like we' had been operating as a business before. but even if I accepted it that okay, look, you saw a large influx of money, you want to verify that it's your legitimate and there's no fraud or scamming going on. okay, fine, whatever. they got everything that they needed from us. It had nothing to do with like a pre-order policy, which I know a lot of my detractors has wrongfully assumed that had something to do. It had nothing to do with anything. They simply were holding the money because of the influx of money that came in. And despite me giving them the information that they needed to, you know, on down to warehouse location and and proof of product, they still were holding funds. So it moved from a hold to a reserve. And what that meant was that, well, this phantom sort of 60 day process, right, I believe was the exact amount where they were going to hold the money, like it's in their policy that sometimes they do this, where they were going to put it in a reserve, meaning that they were going to hold it because of chargebacks, yada, yada, potential stuff, all that. So I had obviously, me and my lawyers had already talked about this, and we were like, okay, considering how expensive this could be, I guess we we, we wait this out, we see what they do. Uh, And they said on the 61st day, according to them, in my message center, they said that they were going to give us access to the money. Uh, 100% of it, not half of it, 100%. Now, this number had hit a $1.3 million. Now, obviously, at some point, I cut off PayPal altogether, um, knowing that we weren't going to be using it, so I had cut it off. Uh, we, so they had to use our process processor on our website. Nonetheless, almost $1.3 million that I had no access to for months. Um, Even despite me sending product out, still never got access to it after the 60, 60 days had passed they tried to end up putting it on another additional reserve of 90 days so again just to go through this 60 days and that wasn't 60 days from the time we started the campaign that was 60 days like in late july like right that they did their little internal review and decided they were going to do a reserve so then they came up with some phantom 90 days out of nowhere and i was like all right well this is like i guess this is where we're at you know, had my lawyers were sending letters, got to get sent, all of that sort of stuff. They stuff edited and gave us like half the money. As soon as I saw that, uh, it wasn't a stuff edit It was more of they said that uh, they they re sent me basically that message that I had in the message center, uh, but the but the amount was taken off, essentially giving me fifty percent of it, all, roughly. It was like five hundred thousand something, and so I took it out obviously immediately obviously that's not sufficient. I didn't ask for half of it. I asked for the whole thing. And they, after, you know, again, league, we're getting in the trenches. Now they stuff edited. There was never any update. There was no admission of wrongful doing or anything. They just up and released the money. They never said why or anything. They just up and said, okay, we know we actually know it was okay. They know this was about to get real. They said, let's get this guy to shut up and uh, give him his money. But, my problem, and, you know, we're still been my lawyers, are still talking about, you know, dealing, you know, discussing what the next move is with them because you know they're collecting interest on all that money. Money's old at the end of the day. But could you imagine if, like, some small businesses do, imagine if I used PayPal as my own only processor. That would have derailed my business. And, and for those that maybe do do that, I can see how definitely small business owners that something like that could happen and maybe they don't like you maybe there's some idiot that's in the office that doesn't maybe thinks differently from you or whatever for whatever reason do some phantom policy they they just pull a trigger and you don't have access to your money if you got to purchase product if you got to purchase supplies to get to your to your uh, audience even though they have voluntarily paid for it that could derail an entire business. And this is why, you know, we. I'm never using PayPal. Uh Riververse will never be using PayPal, certainly ever again. And I would advise against those that definitely could see an influx of money or uh, a, a business not to use that company. But it goes to show that these, these companies ain't playing around and it doesn't have to be for a good reason. And definitely if you don't have the money that I had, to have the lawyers that I had, they would they would yank your chain for as long as they that, that you will that that you're basically, well, they are allowed uh, to do so.
1: That, did they do this for uh, for political reasons? Because I've been hearing things that PayPal has, is doing and I I cut them off because many of my bills, many of uh, like if I go went through Amazon or eBay or even Google, um, PayPal was the method for me to uh, make my payment. But when I heard what was going on with them, I immediately deleted every single account I had that used PayPal. And then I wrote them and told them my reasons for cutting them out. I want to close my account. And the agent that was contacting me uh, was was pretty obtuse about, or at least pretending to be obtuse about, well, why are you so upset? I don't understand. And I said, you know what I'm talking about, uh, y'all's practices. And uh, Guy was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And you know, and they're like, keep talking to me so that we can have some kind of an understanding. But I, I just stopped replying to them at that point. But was it because of political reasons, or was there something else involved uh, for them delaying your payment?
2: With companies like this, they'll never flat out admit it if if they if it is. So it's very hard to to nail that down. It just seems to always happen to people that aren't deranged leftists. Um, a lot of this funky business. But what 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 a lot of these companies do, and companies like PayPal, is that they they write like kind of these loose, kind of very vague terms that will allow them to do stuff like this. And so if, if they find you in error, even if you're not let's just say again, phantom rule, they just made it up, pulled it kind of out of their behind. They'll, they'll fall back on that as their reasoning for doing it. But I think we've seen definitely with these tech companies, far too many like examples of, of, let's say some slant. I'm not going to sit in here and say that there aren't any people that are uh, leaning on any op, any end that hasn't been wronged by a company like PayPal but we've certainly seen among a lot of these tech companies that there has been a clear and obvious slant. And I'm not going to just say that, well, that's why they did it. But if you, you know, I'm not going to certainly, if you believe that that was why they did it, I have no desire to convince you otherwise because that very well could be, be the case. And we've seen examples of companies like PayPal, um, certainly doing, doing exactly that. So this is why you always got to have backup plans for the backup plans.
0: So you um, recently said that you think a creative renaissance is going to be taking place. What do you, what do you mean by that?
2: Well, what I mean is that because of the power of just the internet in itself and, and the opportunity that so many of the kind of establishment entertainment has left for us, I believe that because the means are now certainly affordable for a lot of people to do things that we otherwise could not do from, video from print from everything there's just so much opportunity out there um and it's far more affordable than what it always uh, what it was maybe before a lot of these were more rich folk hobbies and now you're seeing people able to come up with short films for example that are able to rival big studios and and because people have that power now kind of in their hands and the again it's like you had this was let's say this this was establishment entertainment's this was their screw up and it was for, for them to screw up and that they had the product. They had access, even if the creators are long dead, doesn't change anything that they had rights to a lot of these products that so many people are certainly familiar, uh, familiar with. But when you're as the technology is growing in the way that it has, and you're simultaneously telling large swaths of your customer base that you don't like them you're creating this opportunity that maybe wasn't there before, but it certainly is where it's two things. Creators are more incentivized to do it, to go create and customers are more incentivized to go find something that's not, you know, yours, not attached to you. And by you, I'm meaning these certainly uh, like entertainment establishment and, I believe, and it's not just a hope, I'm seeing this with other fellow creatives, and I'm a living example of this, that there will be a creative renaissance, uh, and, and, and that's going to look a lot different. You know what I mean? I, I believe that if we, let's say, move into this age of more decentralized entertainment, you're going to have more smaller companies doing, doing material. They're going to be owned by those uh, guys, and instead of having one mega corporation that owns uh, all of these different properties, you'll probably have hundreds of them that own their property that may be seeing some level of success of success. I certainly welcome that it gives people more options. It's more uh, beneficial uh, certainly uh, uh, to those individuals that maybe are more incentivized to like own their own material and all of that. And I certainly welcome it. It's just an opportunity a, a opportunity of a lifetime where, again, the technology is certainly in our hands to make things happen. I can connect. I have a I have a direct line of sight with my audience, people that insisted that I went through somebody else to publish uh, and do all these other things. I said, why? When I get my, I see my audience like they're in my chat, like I, I can connect with them. Uh, I don't need need any, any of the services that they certainly provide um, for me. So. I did it and, and it worked out, but I'm not the only one. I'm not even the first. So uh, there'll be, there'll be others. And I used to be one of those guys, like with a Marvel, of DC, all sour. And, you know, a lot of my uh, come up was doing exactly that, doing reviews and all that. And now I'm like, you know what? I hope that you keep screwing up yeah. because with each individual movie, goofy thing that you do in a comic, you are sending customers uh, my way. So it's a great opportunity
1: yeah we can see that with a lot of movies that have been coming out where um you know they're pushing some kind of agendas and and they are bombing they're bombing in the uh in the movie theaters. so yeah, I mean, that is going to push people to um movies, books, comic books that uh, don't cater to that type of ideology
2: a hundred percent. and like like I said, it's it's like with movies. Uh, Marvel couldn't miss there was a time that they could not miss you know what I mean and now you've seen them actually m- drop movies that lost money yeah didn't she was a she-hulk I think uh, I heard it was, uh, terrible uh certainly it was not uh well well received and or right now with Star Wars I don't know anybody that's t- even talking about that which is crazy for me to even believe that there is an active Star Wars show that nobody's freaking talking about so it, it goes to show that just people are kind of becoming more and more disinterested and the people that fake like this stuff out of spite. And this is what I think a lot of these mega corporations were banking on those Twitter weirdos who sit there and make Stan accounts to pretend to like this stuff because their uh, political views are being highlighted or emphasized. And they love that or more. So it's being done out of spite to their ideological enemies. They love that type of stuff, but they're not reaching in their pockets to go buy this buy this material, or it's simply not enough uh, of them to actually, let's say, carry a film. They actually need, and this is when Hollywood, Hollywood doesn't seem to understand this, And okay, cool, let them continue to not understand this, that all of those, every death of the election cycle, they tell so many people how much they, they despise them. They don't seem to understand. If they're going to maintain the status quo uh, that they have definitely economically, they need the money from the people that they despise period. So they do themselves in and they have done themselves in. And unfortunately a lot of these, these, these studios and people that back these guys are all in on it as well. So they have no, no issues telling you how much you, they suck or how much their uh, enemies, they don't like their enemies and they'll tell you how much you suck. But if that's what they're going to do, they're creating an opportunity and they're going to continue to lose money. So companies that we saw for years just couldn't miss are missing right now and uh I, I think this trend is just going to continue if they continue doing what what it is that they're doing and that's putting out material that nobody's actually interested in.
1: Well, you know, I know that they're they're attacking the audiences now if they um if they are saying that that a character was no good or maybe a movie was no good. There was there was some director, and I think it was called Bros or something like that. That uh, Dustin mentioned one time that he was. Pissed. Hey man, he was, don't, hey hey, you're the act, one who brought don't it act up, like, not me. So don't act like you didn't go see that movie too. Hey, not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, no, I mean, but but the uh, director or producer attacked the audiences, saying, "Oh, you didn't like the movie because those people were gay," or there were the latest ones of Star Wars. Um, and I have, I, I don't have HBO or Netflix or anything, so I haven't seen any of the recent ones, but there was a, um, there, there was criticism of, of an actor who was black and the producers, creators were like, oh, you don't like them because you don't want any black characters on Star Wars. And I'm like going, okay, they they People forget Billy D. Williams. Um, you know, he played Lando Calrissian, and I, I, I loved the guy. I thought he was perfect for the part, and, and I don't recall ever hearing any criticism of him. So now I'm seeing where they are attacking the audiences. If you don't like somebody for any reason, then there's something wrong with you.
2: Yeah, and and that's the the tactic that they have adopted, certainly those guys in the, uh, the star Wars film uh, fit like kind of area, like arena, like you had people that were critical of this recent Reva character that was um, in uh, one of their recent shows. And, you know, criticism of anybody that's black means you're criticizing them because they're black, right? That they, they can't, they always conflate the, the, conflate the two. It can't just be, well, maybe that character just trash and, and, and they suck. So then they'll come out and gaslight the entire audience that has a problem or you don't like this because you don't like black women and all this other nonsense. And people are just tired of that, like actually bored of that. And and even despite them losing on so many efforts, they continue to deploy that as a tactic where they'll say, OK, you didn't support this garbage that we threw at you. And therefore, you're homophobic, you're sexist, you're racist, you're all the other isms and phob- phobias and all that stuff and people have just grown tired um, of it. It's just not a working sort of method at all. And if you're going to bank on that audience actually come that would support that crap, supporting your work, man, I just don't see how you're going to remain afloat in the upcoming years because you're seeing that this, this attitude towards your audience isn't sustainable. I mean, we hear about these mega big mega corporations who have adopted these sort of tactics are laying people off by the thousands. And of course it's those diversity hires and weirdos who were in jobs and positions that they had no business being in. that they were bragging about uh, all of this other nonsense who are going to be the first to go. I mean, you had the whole uh, uh, situation with Warner as well. You know what I mean? Where they came in and asked the, you know, where you had to transfer kind of a, a power with AT&T selling off all of those uh, uh, properties. And now you got the Warner discovery and Zaslav, I believe is the name of the, of the CEO comes in and they're cutting stuff left to right, because, you know, you see companies just not making money. CW, the CW, the, the program was literally operating at a loss like uh, for, for uh, X amount of time. So, you know, th- this is not a sustainable practice and uh, it'll be far too late. At least I hope. Uh, before they ever get it and you know again like i said before continue to do it because you're sending people actively uh towards your competitors
0: i see it as sort of like it's like the number one cause of divorce it's like you gotta ladies you gotta come up with new arguments you gotta come up with new complaints about your man and if, if it's the same thing he's never coming back he's gonna come All back right. once you're asleep um now to to alan's point about his favorite movie Um, bros. Um, It's funny. It's like when that movie was coming out, no pun intended, um, (laughs) that really just took place. Um, They were saying, if you're straight, this movie is not for you. And when like all the straight people didn't go see it and you have a, an audience that is not that large um, going to see it. And you, you bomb at the box office, all of a sudden they're going to say, Well, you didn't go because you're homophobic. And what's funny is I think it was a Hollywood reporter or or someone else was like saying once that movie bombed, it was like, this is a sign. This is just a sign that rom-com is dead. And then the movie, the new movie with Julia Roberts and George Clooney, that rom-com comes out and does very well at the box office. And somebody reports Rom-com is very much alive. And I'm like, no, it's it's the audience. Like, like just understand understand the audience uh, and understand economics. And I think that is the primary point: is if you do not understand economics, you will be a starving artist. You will destroy. A company that either you've inherited, um, and typically like a lot of times that's the that's the case. Yeah,
2: that's exactly what it is.
1: Yep. These people come in. Yeah. It's it's gonna be if the story sucks, it's going to bomb. There was a movie in the um you know, I, I grew up in the seventies and John Travolta was really big. He did Grease, he did Saturday Night Fever, and then he did this movie called Moment by Moment with Lily Tomlin, which nah, it, it sucked. I mean, it sucked. It took Urban Cowboy to temporarily revive his career again, and then it just kind of went down until Pulp Fiction. So, yeah, I mean, it it, it has to do, if the movie sucks, people are not going to go watch it. It has nothing to do with, you know, whether it's gay or or whatever, because I don't care. I mean, I'm sure I've seen a gay movie, but I just don't, I can't think of one right now, unless, Dustin, you know them real well, if you can think of one (laughs)
0: yeah I, I mean let me look at my d v d collection <laughs> yeah, I, I, got them, I got i got them, them sectioned off and... And...
1: oh you know what? Well, wait i uh what was it basic instinct that had some uh that had some lesbian action in that one
0: see but that's the that's a big difference all right we're getting off we're getting off track um i got i got more or less one more question for you eric um Alan, do you have
1: anything else before i jump to mine uh yeah i was gonna ask um that poster behind you now, I know it's, it's, I don't know if it's pronounced Mises or Mises. Uh, that, I think that's a guy from the Austrian school, correct? Yes. Okay. It says, is it Mises? Mises? Mises. Okay, it says Mises, but what I'm seeing is John Fetterman. That looks like John Fetterman.
2: It's <laughs> 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 not, and I know damn well he certainly is not, if he even knows where he's at. Uh, it, it, he's not privy to the Austrian school of economics. That's for sure. Good luck. Good luck asking him what the hell that is.
1: I'll, I think he'll probably talk about kangaroos or, uh,
2: <laughs> Yeah, uh, he will go on. some. <laughs> that, that'll be the direction that he goes in for sure.
0: Oh man. Yeah. I've, I've, I'm sure you guys have seen the memes. Uh, Biden Fetterman 2024. It's a no brainer. <laughs>
2: Oh, that's so good.
0: <laughs> that's beautiful. All right, man. So my uh, my last question: I just want your thoughts on on two things. Um, we talked about music. Obviously, you do metal with libertarian lyrics, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't, if you like metal, listen to his band. If you if you don't like metal, read his lyrics, and you'll learn a lot. Um, so I want to I want to go music first. Your thoughts on Here's my thought first, and I'm gonna rage against the machine. Rage against the machine is against the machine, and yet they're very much part of the machine because they're they're communist, right? And so they're for centralized government and overbearing government demand, like controlling your lives. I like. Do you see the hypocrisy there? And what are your thoughts on? Oh, that's.
2: Prompt very prominent again, that's why we stuck out like a sore thumb. All of these, uh, for lack of better terms, the vast majority, I'd argue 99% of these sort of anti authoritarian, fist up in the air, punk rock metal bands are chicken crap at the end of the day. A lot of them are more, you know, they're just uh, state socialists uh, at the end of the end of the day, and it's like more of like kind of edgy teenager kind of, uh, um. I'm against this thing, but you saw certainly in 2016, where they all went the same exact way. Uh, and then in 2020, the same thing happened uh, again, where they sway, they go wherever the left kind of goes. Uh, certainly the state leftists go and that's just what it is. And, you know, these people, and it really stems from the fact that they don't actually believe in anything it is that they say, right. It's a, it's a very, easy thing to get up there and say well government bad uh fight the power and all that but you know in order for that to be something that you actually you know genuinely understand and 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 for people to see that you have to kind of live that and often you see these guys go support like we saw i saw the entire seem like an entire medical industry especially in uh 2016 uh go out there and support bernie sanders who couldn't be i mean the staunchest of the statists uh, in, in the, in the, in the run, but they went and supported him. You cannot be pro Bernie Sanders, anti-authoritarian. Those are diametrically opposed. So absolutely. We see the hypocrisy and this is why, you know, a lot of these guys don't believe in any of the crap it is that they say, I mean, you tell them that they like to believe that, but really they're only against authoritarianism if they can tie it to, someone that has an R next to their name. Uh, in the event that it comes from definitely Democrats and all that, that you'll see them kind of take shots from afar. certainly not to the same degree of what they would with the Republicans.
0: Yeah, that's what I was saying. Actually, last episode was that these people who get on, they, they do not believe anything that they say, which is why they change so rapidly. Last one, um, it came out, I think this year or end of last year. Your thoughts on the batman the new one
2: the new. i hadn't seen it which is believe it or not in that goes to show how how crazy things have gotten for me yeah. batman for those of you that don't know is my favorite comic book character right as an adult my favorite comic book character and for me to see a batman film come out and me to be like nah i'm not even i'm, I'm not interested i'm done with dc and yeah a lot of it had to do with like riververse stuff that i was working on and all that but even with a lot of the new, like, bat-related stuff that, you know, has come out, I'm just not, you know, had this Gotham Knights game that came out, I mean, I'm a avid gamer, people know that, have not played that game, and I'm just not interested. And a lot of it, yeah, it's, it's, it's two things at work. I have a lot of work that I'm doing, and now I have to think of myself as their competitors. But also, in the same respect, it's just now... Especially knowing where DC is, he is and in the direction it is they're going, I'm like, dude, I don't want to do. I, I don't want anything to do with anything they're doing right now. So I just, I'm just checked out. And it's been easy. I, I would have never thought that you. I mean, I, I'm talking. I'm I'm a comic. I was a comic book shop every Wednesday guy, getting hundreds of dollars worth of Marvel and DC books. And I don't have a pull list uh at all. I'm not going to the comic book shop every Wednesday. I'm just doing my own thing and you'd ask me that few years back that that was ever going to be the case, I'd have told you you were crazy, but yet here we are.
0: Yeah, I'm a... I grew up big Batman fan. The The animated series was, like, I was like, religiously, that and Gargoyles. That's
2: the definitive Batman, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, I used to read Richie Rich, and... Um, okay, kill him! Heathcliff, uh, Charlie Brown, Peanuts, so, yeah, that... that those were, uh, those were my uh, comic books. You couldn't, you couldn't bring up Calvin and Hobbes.
0: At least that's respectable, man.
1: Calvin and... No, no, I didn't. I liked Heathcliff. I thought Heathcliff was cool. That was... He was a cat. I did like BC. I did like BC. I think they now call it BCE. I don't know, but uh, yeah.
0: But... <laughs> BC was good. Um, all right, Eric, where can uh, people purchase your uh, comic book? I saw
2: you can, of course, still get it. Uh, cover C, Rippaverse, Ripperverse is r i p p a v e r s e dot com. Uh, you can, uh, we're, the, we're our own distributor. So you purchase it, you'll get it from, from us. Um, and of course, you know, If you want to get any of my stuff um, and then go buy any of that material. Of course, right now, because the campaign's finished for ISOM 1, you can only get Cover C, Cover A, and B. You may can get it in some select comic book shops, but good luck. Uh, those things have been going for hundreds of dollars on eBay. The one that you have right there, uh certainly on, on, on your desk. Uh, That is a one that that's the cover a, and that's very difficult to find certainly right now, but there will be other opportunities as well. So just stay locked in on riververse.com and uh we'll have some more books coming to you.
1: Now, when you get enough of them, are you
2: going to do like uh the walking dead where you have like all these compendiums? Oh, yeah. I would <laughs> love to do that. Like where, so I saw them, one was the first part of the arc. We are going to, it's probably going to be a three-part arc. So I would love to, once the arc concludes, have one of those big uh, kind of uh, uh, omnibuses or whatever of a of, uh, collection, the trade rather uh, of the book. I think that'd be glorious. And that'd be our opportunity to do like a hardcover or something like that if we wanted to.
0: No, it's good stuff, man. Um It's ISOM. This is the first edition. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, go get it. Um not only will you be doing Eric a favor and the comic book industry a favor, but you'll be doing America a favor. A huge favor. Hey man, uh this is this was so great getting to talk to you. Um and, and I hope we get to talk again. But thanks again for for being on the show. Greatly appreciate it.
2: Oh, of course. Anytime, brother, we'll do it again. All right, Dustin. That was I
1: that was a fun conversation. Yeah. I um I, I have to admit, I, I don't know. I didn't know much about his comic. I had watched uh, many of his YouTube videos, and I liked what he had to say, and I, I read his history, and, uh, you know, it's funny, because I, I grew up, when I was a kid, I grew up in um, a couple places in Dallas, Oak Cliff and Farmer's Branch, and uh, he he lives, or I guess he grew up in Oak Cliff, and then I found out that, that he went to A&M also, a different campus, I went to the main one, but... Um, and and uh, you know, really, really fascinating stories. So, his um, I, I'm really glad that we have people like him, who hasn't been influenced by the way entertainment is going. I'm so sick of woke. I'm sick of woke. I think a lot of people are sick of woke. And as I mentioned during the interview, you know, if you look at Top Gun, you look at um. Uh, was at the Terminal List? Uh, some of the Chris Pratt movies, the Terminal List, the Tomorrow Wars. People are starving for non woke entertainment, and he flat out said that you know because of the way the executives are pushing wokeness that they're gonna they're they're gonna push the audience towards um, you know non woke entertainment like his comics.
0: Yeah, I mean, and as long as we have the freedom to create the free market enterprise, um, and just uh, will you will have the destruction of businesses and, and companies as big as these multi-billion-dollar uh, companies like Walt Disney or Marvel or DC, and I know Marvel is owned by by Disney, but
1: you they they will Marvel is owned by Disney,
0: yeah. Yeah, they bought, oh, they bought them out. God, no wonder. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes sense, right?
1: You know, Disney seems to be um, doing everything they can. I, you know, if Walt Disney was around right now. Like
0: ESPN. ESPN is owned by Disney, and it makes complete sense. Why, like, how they've, all of them have gone far left.
1: You know, it's, it's funny. I mentioned a, um, a movie, um, it was one of our book and movie recommendations. It was a Disney movie that showed communism in a very bad light. I think it was called the night crossing. And it was about two families that fled East, uh, communist East Germany, um, by balloon. They, they rode in a hot air balloon and they crossed over the iron curtain and landed in West Germany, which was a free country at the time. And, um, I don't think Disney would make movies like that anymore. No, and 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 the movie was made before Michael Eisner um, took over and started veering the company to the left.
0: Yeah, and well, here's the thing: as long as we have uh, the ability to, you know, have the free market of ideas or whatever, the marketplace of ideas, and we're able to freely do that, you're going to have creators with like 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 Eric with massive talent. Who are going to see an opening, you know, that's just what happens. Like you see an opening and like, look, I see an opening, I see the demand and I see the lack of supply. And that's the thing is like, Eric is already creative, but now he's able to take not just his creativity, but his, his knowledge on economics and how to actually treat money correctly and investment correctly. And so, you know, sky's the limit for, for someone like him you know, and the sky's the limit for somebody, whoever's, whoever's watching, who may have an idea, uh, study, study the market. Like, is there a market? And you know, if, if there's a market out there and somebody's not supplying it, get out there and and do it. And that's, that's the beauty of, of living in this country, at least right now. Um, hopefully things don't change. Um, I mean, things are changing for the worst, but we still have the ability and the, and the freedom to, to create uh, whatever, more or less, whatever we want. So and just kudos to, to Eric for, for doing what he's doing. Um, it's great stuff. So um, I guess we've pussyfooted around long enough.
1: <laughs> you want to jump into this week in history? Yeah, because uh, looking at what yours is, um, yeah, I want to hear what you have to say about this. <laughs> All right, look, ladies and gentlemen, um, I,
0: I apologize. Like, I had started from the beginning of this season uh, lining out my This Week in History, right? Um, I got on, so we've, we, we're have we doing this episode, we typically do it on Saturday. I'm just making an excuse. Do it on Saturday, but tonight, you know, we did it on a Tuesday night, Um And I noticed that I didn't have a This Week in History. So I was scrambling for something that would tie in comic book related. That would also be This Week in History. As good as I could get uh, is This Month in History. So on November 12th, 2018, Stan Lee, the creator, uh, the comic book legend, the guy who started Marvel, died. Um, It was the end of an era To an extent, to an extent, the era more or less ended in 2009 when Walt Disney purchased Marvel. Um, That's when it all started to come down. But hey, they sold it for for $4 billion. That's a chunk of change. But going back, uh, I think it was, I want to say, 82 years ago, Like through his work and collaborations with frequent artist-writers like Jack Kirby and Stephen Ditko... Uh, he took Marvel from just a small business and turned it into the world's number one publisher of comic books and eventually what what we have now with uh the Marvel Multiverse and different things like that Marvel owned by Disney and all that jazz it's just like it's uh it's an American tell
1: without the mice okay my this week in history is going to be November the 25th of 1487. That was the day that Elizabeth of York is crowned Queen of England. All right, so who's Elizabeth of York? Well, interesting story because it it uh made a lot of changes to uh to England. Okay, Elizabeth of York was the daughter of King Edward the 4th. Okay, why is that significant? Well, there's there's quite a quite a bit of reasons here. Um she marries Henry Tudor. Now, Henry Tudor um, was, he became Henry VII. And he was, he started the House of Tudor. Now, the House of Tudor, you know, had uh, a lot of kids, Henry VIII, and, uh, and then the bloodline went, went down into uh, Elizabeth I. But what happened was is that because Elizabeth of York was the daughter of Henry IV, previously there had been what was known as the Wars of the Roses. Um, there was a king named Henry the Sixth, who was the uncle of Henry Tudor. Henry the Sixth was overthrown by who? By the guy who became Edward the Fourth, and Henry the Sixth was. Now this is one family, the Plantagenets. Uh, Henry the Sixth was part of the Lancasters, and Edward the Fourth was part of the Yorks. Um. So the Lancasters had the red rose, the Yorks had the white rose, and hence the name uh, the Wars of the Roses. They were, they were both uh, branches of the Plantagenets. So uh, Edward, IV, uh, Edward IV dies. He had a couple of sons that ended up becoming known as the Princes of the Tower. One of them was Edward V, and the other, or should have been Edward V, and the other one was uh, his brother Richard. Um, but their sister, who was Elizabeth, they called her Elizabeth of York. Um, she she survived, and uh, what happened was, Richard III, their uncle, became king, and then he was defeated by Henry Tudor at the uh, Battle of Bosworth Field in 1485. That pretty much ended the Wars of the Roses. Well, Edward, I'm sorry, Henry the Seventh. Marries Elizabeth because she's part of the Yorks, and Henry really was part of the, the uh, Lancasters. So, by getting married, no reason at that point to continue the Wars of the Roses, and that pretty much ended the Wars of the Roses. So, um, it had a significant impact. There were some incidents that did take place. There was some someone claimed to be uh, uh still a Yorkist, he he tried to claim the throne, but. Overall, that was pretty much the end of the Wars of the Roses. Um, Elizabeth of York, uh, you know, she had several kids, uh, a guy named Arthur, Prince Arthur, who marries Catherine of Aragon. Oh, Aragon, and She was the daughter of Ferdinand and Isla- Isabella of Spain, who were the ones who sent um, Christopher Columbus across the ocean. Um, Catherine of Aragon was married to Prince Arthur, but Prince Arthur, who was supposed to be the king, he dies, so that she ends up marrying her younger brother, Henry, who becomes Henry VIII. And then, you know, they had a a bunch of kids, and, you know, including, well, they had a lot of kids. Edward, well, okay, God, I can't even think of all the names. Elizabeth had uh, Henry VIII. And there was also uh, Margaret Tudor, who becomes... The Queen of Scotland and her descendant is Mary, Queen of Scots, and her her son is James the Sixth, King James the Sixth of Scotland, who becomes King James the First of England or Great Britain, rather. And you know he's the one who came out with the King James Bible, and uh, you know that's pretty much how England and Scotland joined up and became Great Britain. So. Kind of, you know, pretty fascinating if Elizabeth of York wasn't there to kind of cement the uh, Lancasters and the Yorks. The Wars of the Roses could have kept going. So anyway, but that happened November the 25th of 1487.
0: I like how um, your This Week in History is always about four to five times longer than mine. All right. Uh, Well, our book and movie recommendations are coming up. I trust that you are prepared.
1: I am. And it's going to be kind of tied into my This Week in History. Beautiful. All right. So how does my... Book and movie recommendation. First of all, I do want to recommend the uh ISOM, the comic. Because we need we know we, we need more entertainment like that. So I do I do recommend ISOM um, for for the comic books. Uh for books. Okay, so I've got these two books here: The Wars of the Roses and The Last White Rose. Uh, now these are folio edition books. Uh, Desmond Seward, Seward is the author. I happen to have a collection of them. Wars of the Roses is pretty fascinating, and you know, if you want to learn a little bit about, you know, what what went on, the Plantagenets had been, you know, the uh, family that ruled England since the days of uh, Henry the First, and well, now let me tell you, yeah, no, Henry the Second, Henry the Second. Uh, Because Henry II was the son of Matilda, who was supposed to be the queen, but she got, you know, Stephen of blue eyes or whatever. You got to go back. Anyway, the Plantagenets ruled England until Henry VII, and then it became the House of the Tudors. And then eventually their descendants became the House of the Stuarts. This is where James I comes in. Anyway, so, yeah, so get these books. Pretty good. In terms of movie, well, I mentioned Elizabeth of York. This is the White Queen. I I have uh, I've discussed this movie before, but I figured it all kind of ties in with with our stories. Um, you know, this this is actually a, a pretty good mini series. Now, this is about Elizabeth of York's mother. Now, she was the wife of uh, of Edward IV, and. You know, I got to tell you that Rebecca Ferguson, you know who she is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I first saw her in uh one of the Mission Impossible movies and uh she was uh damn. You know, I was mar- I think I was married at the time and I remember telling my wife, "You know, I would leave you for Rebecca Ferguson." <laughs> I don't see it. no wedding ring. <laughs> Thanks, Rebecca. But yeah, other than Bar Raphael, if that's her name, the, the oh Israeli... yeah, yes, yes, yeah. yeah. She, was she was and Wonder Woman. She was my one number too. one. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's some there's something about women from uh, Israel or, or Europe that just always fascinated me.
0: Yeah, well, those last two are from uh, from Israel.
1: Yeah, but yeah, but Rebecca Ferguson, I was like, I could, I yeah give me Rebecca Ferguson, but anyway, yeah the white queen it's it really is a very good mini series it it shows the intrigue that took place during Edward the Fourth and uh Richard the third's reigns, and you know, yeah, she was you know, in a fascinating story about a curse that she put on the family um, just just watch it, and uh it's kind of ironic about the curse because it kind of affected her in some way but uh
0: all right, my book recommendation is, is the ISOM. First comic book show. Now, first comic book, this is the first edition. The cover, I think, is on C. So it's going to be like a like a third edition, I want to say. But um, still the first comic book uh, for Ripaverse Comics. Go get it. And Christmas is coming up. You've... You, so by your nephew, your niece, or, you know, your, your grandkids or your kids, whatever, it doesn't, doesn't matter, but we need to invest in good quality art and the garbage that has been perpetuated and propagated and pushed on us for God knows how long now, um, stem the tide and go get this and and it's not like oh do do him a favor like no this is like freaking legit um freaking legit comic book like he has like long time professionals who have worked with him on this so it's it's fantastic stuff my movie recommendation i mentioned the batman he hadn't watched it i wasn't a fan i gave it like a 5 out of 10 uh but batman the trilogy the Christopher Nolan trilogy, especially the Dark Knight, but I really enjoyed all of them. Uh, Go watch those. Um, Go watch the new The Batman. Let me know what you thought. Um, But I I wasn't that big of a fan. I liked a few of the scenes, but I thought they tried too hard in a number of areas. And then at the same time, uh, I just thought it was a sort of poorly done uh, movie altogether. All right. That is it for the episode. Alan, do you want to say something else?
1: No, I want to say uh the Ben Affleck series Ben Affleck sucked as Batman. I haven't seen I haven't seen the uh I really don't even know much about the new Batman, but no, I agree the uh the Christopher Nolan Batman series was incredible. I God, I can't say enough uh, good things about those three movies.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I saw Ben Affleck was going to be Batman, I was like, "Well, he's a terrible actor, so I'm also not going to watch him uh ruin an icon."
1: He also talks too much.
0: Yeah, like my co-host over there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, that is it for this episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. We will talk to you. Um, I'm not even sure if we're having an episode next week because of Thanksgiving. I, I can't remember when Thanksgiving is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, that's it. We'll talk to you later.